Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Today for Spirit in Action, we have part two of a visit with Sai Khan, Vivian Nesbitt, John Dillon, and a special guest, Joe Jenks, where we will continue looking at the musical written by Sai Khan called Mother Jones in Heaven. Viv and John perform music together in a number of ways, including their tours performing the musical. Both story and music have an incredible ability to inspire us to visualize and work for the betterment of the world, and that's what Sai did in invoking the history and memory of Mother Jones, a woman who galvanized and led both supportive unions and for all the common poor folk back in the late 1800s. Today's show includes some of the music from the musical, including a final song performed by Joe Jenks. We'll continue where we left off last week, about to share a bit of performance from the musical. We're going to do the script as performed by Vivian Nesbitt, leading into Sai's recording of the song, Houses on the Hill. In 1867, the yellow fever epidemic that swept the South after the Civil War arrived on our doorstep. Have you ever seen someone die of yellow fever? It's a terrible way to die. I watched not just one, but five. In less than six days, I lost my husband and all four of my children, all due to the rich men who owned and ran Memphis. You might ask, how can it be the rich who took your husband and children away from you? Think about it. When the yellow fever hit Memphis, it wasn't the rich who died. They were all tucked away, safe and sound in their mansions, high on the bluffs above the Mississippi River. But the poor people, the working people, didn't have mansions to hide in. We lived in what everyone called the bottoms, the flat places along the banks of the Mississippi River that were sometimes half dry and sometimes half underwater, all crammed and cramped together, living six, ten, fourteen to a room. Raw sewage running down the sides of the streets, nothing but filthy water to drink, crowds all the time and everywhere, while the rich in their mansions were smoking cigars and drinking champagne, talking about the trash down there in the bottoms. Oh, why don't these people even try to better themselves? Oh, no, they like living like that. It's all they've ever known. Give them a decent place to live, and in half a month, they will have it looking like a cattle shed. They wouldn't move out of the bottoms if they could. They're happiest living with their own kind. As if George and I wouldn't have moved to higher ground in a heartbeat if we'd had the chance. But the rich... They owned the factory where George worked, even with the union. They paid him barely enough to feed our family. Those times when not enough work came into the foundry, he didn't even get that. Some weeks it was all we could do to scrape by. 
Now, if my George had been paid even the smallest part of what his labor was worth, we might have gotten out of the bottoms, moved to a place that was just a little bit cleaner and safer, where the drinking water came from a faucet, not from a bucket, where the human waste went into the sewer, not into the street. If we'd gotten out to higher ground, George might... I remember real hard times A day's work wasn't worth a dime You never got to eat your fill But they never went hungry in the houses on the hill Good and bad times came and went Money earned was money spent In my dreams I'm restless still But they never got worried in the houses on the hill Houses on the hill Fences kept you from the town below. The polished windows look down on the company houses, row and row. Just wanted you to know that if I could turn this world around, I'd see this mill turned upside down. The bosses sweating in the mill And my kids living in the houses on the Icon's music has inspired so many of me and my friends. We have a monthly song circle here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. There's regularly three or four of Psy's songs, which are part of what we sing, just because they're so inspirational for us. Both their connection to the roots and the way that they lift up stories of people who do healing work for the world the stuff that we need so badly. So, psycon.com is a place to go for that. 
Houses on the Hill obviously speaks of the pain, and it's so important when we have pain, and all of us find pain in our lives, that we can either use it for destruction or we can use it for good. And fortunately, Mother Jones chose to use it for the good of people and raise up so much needed work in this world. Well, and, and may I say that this is part of the great pleasure of working with John and Vivian, is that these are people who have chosen to do good in the world. Vivian is director of the School of Music at Cafe Lina in Saratoga Springs, New York. That is the oldest continuously operating coffeehouse in the entire United States. That's a great gift. John does wonderful work with recovery and creates inspiring music. So I like to make up mantras. One of my homemade mantras is, Life is short. Spend it with good people. And that's part of the magic of what we do together. And Mark, I I love what you said about my songs being used. You know, I'm often referred to as a singer-songwriter. That is not true. A singer-songwriter writes songs to sing themselves primarily. Of course, they hope that other people cover them. But their songs are mostly structured to be solo performances. I write songs in the hope that people will sing them. And I'll bet the songs that you and your group are singing in Oak Claire, I'll bet they have choruses. I write short songs with singable choruses. But part of why I love musical theater is I can create songs that other people can sing representing their point of view. This is something, Mark, you did quite eloquently earlier to say, no, I have worked to be Mother Jones in the script and songs. I've tried to create... Mother Jones, by the way, did not sing. She was not a bluegrass musician. Did not <laughs> but to our knowledge, she didn't sing. Now, she was famous as a hard drinker, famous for telling really dirty stories. She was, you know, out there. But, you know, that's part of what endeared her to the miners, not just her commitment to the union. She was fun to be with. So I want to make sure that everybody knows that the musical... Mother Jones in Heaven, as brought to life on the stage by our friends Vivian Nesbitt and John Dillon. It's really funny. It's really sweet. There's lots of pretty hysterical moments. It is not dark. You're not going to go home depressed. You're going to go home and think, wow. And, you know, somebody once said, you know, what's your goal for when one of your musicals is performed? And I'm like, you know, I hope that somebody, if you came with someone else and you're in the audience, As you leave, you turn to that other person and say, I really love you, you know. That really is my goal. I think that's, a, you know, Mark, you're eloquent about your wonderful Quaker background. I want what I do to bring light to the world. Absolutely. So from uplifting verbiage, let's talk about Stitch and Sew. My understanding is, Vivian, that this was what motivated you to want to do this musical in the first place? Yes, I had read the script, and then I listened to a CD of music that Cy gave me, and I listened to Stitch and Sew over and over and over and over. I just love that song, and I just wanted to sing it. I just wanted to sing it. It just moved me. It is a reachy song for a singer. It is not a simple song to sing. Um, lyrically, it tells a complete story. It takes you on a journey. And I also believe that in this song, and actually it's the device that we use in the play, is that this is the point at which she radicalizes. 
so that by the um, there's three verses where she's describing her current circumstance and she's describing her emotional circumstance she's describing what she's looking at then she's describing what her list what she's listening to and then the penny drops and she radicalizes between the third and the fourth verse and by the fourth verse she is talking about what's happening in the minds and it's just a mar- remarkable piece of theatrical writing and eminently playable Again, as an actor, I love being delivered something that has all the actions that I need to play right in the words, and that makes the job easy, as easy as it can be. But um, So it's, it's really a remarkable thing. This particular shout-out really comes from the heart and soul of John and Viv for the folks at Cultural Energy in Taos, New Mexico. If it wasn't for them, we never would have started Art of the Song. And Art of the Song came out of Mike Tilly telling us that we needed to start a radio show. And this was in 2003, 2002. Mm-hmm. And uh, Art of the Song is still on the air today. We are approaching our thousandth show. And thanks to Mike and the folks at Cultural Energy for getting us our start. So just wanted to say that. Knowing that Cultural Energy is one of your stations. And thanks to them for bringing us together, albeit in a slightly oblique way. And the song is Stitch and Sew from Mother Jones in Heaven. Morning has broken like ice on the lake. Out on the sidewalk the children are passing Far from their tenements, hungry and cold Warm in this window I stitch and sew Stitch and sew, stitch and sew Fingers that ache and heart that is bleeding Stitch and sew, stitch and sew Watching the children, I stitch and sew. Wind from the lake rises, angry with snow. Out in the street, where the jobless are standing, shaking and shivering, bitter and old. Safe in this mansion, I stitch and sew. Stitch and sew, stitch and sew. Driving the needle through layers of velvet. Stitch and sew, stitch and sew. Eyes on the distance, I stitch and sew. Back in the drawing room, laughter rings out. There where the lords and the ladies are preening Satins and silks worked in patterns so fine No word escapes me, I stitch and sew Stitch and sew, stitch and sew Pulling the cloth till the needles are breaking Stitch and sew, stitch and sew Listening and learning, I stitch and sew. Far in the mountain where blood marks the coal, down in the shaft 
A fire is growing closer and closer. It comes to our lives. Waiting for justice, I stitch and sew, stitch and sew, stitch and sew, pulling the thread till the silk is on fire. Fire, fire. There are flames everywhere. No, it's not the mine that's exploded, not the silk that's in flames. It's Chicago that's burning the city, going up in smoke. My dying children are screaming. No, it's living children whose cries pierce my ears, their panicked hearts bounding, trampling each other as they race toward the lake, toward safety. There is no safety ever for our kind, not this night nor any other night. I stood in Lake Michigan for a night, a day and a night, winter water up to my knees, thousands of people around me shivering and shaking from the bitter cold, screaming as the still white hot embers lifting, flying from the burning, dying city fell, settling on our clothes, setting them on fire. You heard the voice of Vivian Nesbitt there, the musical Mother Jones in Heaven written by Cy Khan. We've got Cy here today. And the instrumentation, courtesy of John Dillon. All of them joining us here today for Spirit in Action. Stitch and Sew is the song. And again, it was via the great folks and one of the stations where this program is syndicated in the cultural energy folks there that helped bring, I guess, Cy and Vivian together. Is that right? Yes, me and I are going to tell the story together. We were brought together in a different instance that Cy is going to share. So we were brought together around Mother Jones in heaven. But here's how it happened. So we belong to the Folk Alliance International which is the international, it's really a trade association for those of us in the folk community. And one year we were at the convention and John and Vivian had a booth for Art of the Song, right? You heard how Art of the Song got started. And I, of course, there being friends, dropped by to say hello. And Vivian, I think, Vivian will tell me whether my memory is accurate. Vivian said, do you happen to know of anyone who's got a one-woman show? I want to do a one-woman show. I said, <laughs> she's telling you it's not right. <laughs> and, and, Viv, you, you do a great job of describing that, that moment. Could you recreate that? <laughs> oh, thank you, Sai. I call it the great musical theater confessional. There we were standing in the lobby surrounded by singer songwriters and folk musicians. And, and you said, what have you been up to? And I said, well, I just, I just performed a one-woman show that I wrote and, um, and performed in New York at United Solo. And, and you said, really? Did you know that I write one-woman show? I, I write musicals? And I said, you're kidding. And from that moment on, we stood there and you sang. I think we talked for about an hour. You might have performed most of the show right there in the middle of the Folk Alliance International Right, with people rushing by and looking at us, like, what are you guys up to? No, I kept saying, like, we have to eat, like, we have to eat, you know, we have to go. I'm like, no, we don't. This is food. This is food. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's my memory of it. Well, that's my memory, too, like they say, and the rest is history. So, how did, what's your memory of how we met? I remember just like sort of quaking in my shoes and saying, so could I see the script? Could I have a look at it? <laughs> <laughs> And he was very reticent, right? No. He was, actually, because there were people interested. There were people doing stuff with it. And so it was, it was 
it's a bit nerve wracking when you, you know, muster up the courage to say to a playwright, I really want to do this show and just hope that they say yes. I was completely insulted. I'm like, <laughs> why would you want to do a show of mine, right? Nobody wants to do my shows. Why are you so different? <laughs> Well, and by the way, folks, Vivian Nesbitt is really, it's from her acting background in Kames. Obviously, you've got the musical chops to do a wonderful job here, but you're actress in that. And I lo- was looking through your credits. Uh, it seems to be a lot of hanging around with crime, Breaking Bad, Manhattan Law, Law and Order, SVU. And I know that you have your original solo play, The Bark and the Tree, that is part of it. So you did that first, and then you let Cy add to your repertoire? That's right. That's right. You know, the bark on the tree is about a dog. <laughs> it's not. How dare you say that about my great-great-grandmother? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm in trouble now. We were talking about dogs, you know, free association, you know. It was a natural leap. I love Mother Jones in Heaven. I love the message. I love the energy. There's a little bit about the history, though, that I need sign because of your long work with unions, long work with activism in general. Maybe you can tell me how this goes. Mother Jones is last half of the 1800s where she comes into her activism, really starts to change the world. Unions aren't brand new then, but at a certain point, Unions got enough traction, particularly in the U.S. and I think other countries, where they actually ended up helping the middle class. It feels like ever since the Reagan era, there's been this decline in the influence of unions. But I'm imagining back in Mother Jones' day, there might have been the same percentage of people involved in unions as we have right now. Well, actually, it was surprisingly strong and surprisingly militant. There was a night, an organization called the Knights of Labor, which was active in the 1870s on and, and very, very widespread. And there were many other unions, the largest union in the United States at the time that Mother Jones, let's say, came to consciousness was the Molders Union, people who worked in foundries. But they were very, very extensive. And the man she married, John Jones, was a leader in the Memphis local. So I think the, you know, I don't know the percentages, Mark, but they were very substantial. But when they ebb, it's not because of a lack of interest, it's because of a counterattack by the corporate sector and their allies among the rich and powerful. This is what happens again and again and again. So as Vivian pointed out, after the Haymarket incident, there was a counterattack. People were deported. People were imprisoned. People were hanged. Same thing happens. There's a huge blossoming of labor movement in the period leading up to World War I. And then in 1920, we have something called the Palmer Raids, in which hundreds and hundreds are arrested. And major figures like Emma Goldman are deported. And this is what has happened in our own times. In the 1940s and 1950s, huge flowering of unions, great power built. And the in the 1930s, the Congress of Industrial Organizations, which believes in industrial unionism, 
which means that all the workers in one factory belong to the same union. This is in contrast to the earlier craft unionism, where in one factory you might have 17 different unions, one for the boilermakers, one for the pipe fitters, one for the electricians, one for the molders. Tremendous growth. And then during the 1950s, we have the so-called Red Scare under Joe McCarthy and the anti-communist hysteria. And again, there is a counterattack. This is what we're seeing right now. In the last 20 to 30 years, there's been a sustained, thoughtful, strategic, unbelievably well-funded attack on the unions. And it's been done legislatively. It's been done in just in terms of power dynamics that we see this today in the Amazon campaign. We see it in the Starbucks campaign. Union leaders are fired. They're put to work in unsafe conditions. It's all coordinated. It's international. It is an attempt to break the power of the working class. So it's not that workers don't want to be union members. According to statistics, according to the polls, something like 70% of American workers who are eligible to join a union would like to be in a union. But it's the repression by government, although, although the Biden administration has done, has been extremely friendly and has been very supportive of labor law reform. Joe Biden was the first president of the United States to walk a union picket line during the strike by the United Auto Workers. But I also want to say that Mother Jones was a union organizer. She was actually on the staff of the United Mine Workers of America. But as much as she is a trade unionist, she is a humanitarian. She cares about what's happening to everyday working people. She cares about the kids who lose fingers and thumbs in the mines and in the mills. She's care about the women who are being overworked and abused in, in the laundries and in, in the in the shirtwaist factories. She's not just politically motivated. She sees suffering and her heart breaks. Now, we can wonder why. We can think about why. It doesn't matter. What her role in society is, for me, is as a humanitarian and somebody as a fighter for social justice. I am a union member. I'm a proud union member. I've been a union organizer. The unions are close to my heart. But social justice for everyone, including those who are prevented from joining unions who would like to, that's what matters to me. And that's really at the core of who Mother Jones is. The miners are closest to her heart, but so is every other worker. It's perfect lead into I Was There. Yes. And folks, this song is going out for all of you. It's not just that Mother Jones was there, and she was constantly there for so many decades of her life. She was there helping anyone who needed the help. The question is, will you be part of it? Let's hear that message from Vivian Nesbitt and John Dillon in the song I Was There from the musical Mother Jones in Heaven. For 50 years and more Stood against the rich and greedy For the workers and the poor From Canada to Mexico I traveled everywhere Wherever trouble called me I was there Like stitches in a crazy quilt That women piece and sew Wherever there was suffering I was bound to go With angry words for cowardice Comfort for despair Whenever help was needed I was there 
was there in the depression when times were at their worst. But we had them where we wanted, like a dam about to burst. With fire in our bellies, revolution in the air. For a moment we saw clearly I was there. There were times I saw the issues in quite a different light. And old friends turned against me, but I never left the fight. When stones were in my pathway and the road was far from clear, whether I chose right or wrongly, I was there. Hungry, and your dreams seem bound to fall. You may see me by the mill or just outside the Union Hall. When the clouds are empty promises, the sky a dark despair. Like an eagle from the mountain, I'll be there. And you, my brave young comrades, when the future sounds the call. Will you be there for the battle? Will you answer one and all? When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll's called anywhere, can you stand and answer proudly, we're still here? Will you stand and answer proudly, I was there? The real reason I produce this show, Spirit in Action, is because I want to raise up the people who are doing good in the world so that you will also be one of the people inspired to be there. That song, I Was There, just sung by Vivian Nesbitt, accompanied by John Dillon, is from the musical Mother Jones in Heaven, written by Sai Khan. And all of this together to say, I hope that you will be one of the people who will finish your life. When you walk up to the pearly gates, you'll say, I was there. I want to mention something, by the way. We've had you here, John, and you're the strong, silent type, except when your your fingers get on the frets. You tend to be the strong, silent type in this interview. But you get to do at least background vocals. There could have been a song for George Jones, who... And I can see Cy right now face palming, saying, no, I can't write another song for no, this. No, no, I'm, I'm like, I got his name wrong. I said John Jones. John Jones is the lead vocalist for the Oyster Band in England. <laughs> <laughs> and so even though we haven't heard your voice a lot, John, I do want to visit with you about your music and particularly HopeRoadMusic.com. Are you up for that? Yes, I would love to maybe talk to you another time about Hope Road and about this new project that I'm working on right now called The Lighthouse Project. I'll look forward to that. We'll arrange that after we finish this interview. Vivian, it's been so wonderful to have your voice raising up. And again, I it appears to me that this is not just any kind of job for you. This is a passion. And the way that you've carried that so faithfully really inspires me. Thank you so much. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mark. It's very meaningful to have this conversation with you. I love your show and I love the concept that you bring to light here. And every time I hear your voice, Sai, I want to say I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I am so really grateful that this world has benefited from all the work and inspiration you've given to it and that you joined us again here today for Spirit in Action. Mark, thank you so much. You know, I once said to my father, who was very religiously observant, you know, you don't do anything on the Sabbath. Why not? And he said, it's true that I kept the Sabbath, but the Sabbath kept me. And this is the way I feel. I, I think of this as the movement, as in the civil rights movement, but as all movements. Yeah, I've tried to do my part, but the movement, the art, the culture, the organizing, the demonstrations, the picket lines, the quiet nights when we're doing nothing else but stuffing envelopes. Now we just stuff emails, whatever that looks like. <laughs> that is what has given meaning to my life. This is what keeps me going. It's working with people like John Dillon and, and Vivian Nesbitt over years to try to bring joy and happiness and meaningfulness to other people's lives. This is what keeps me going. And then I want to say, I think we haven't actually mentioned Mother Jones lives. That's a new slogan, right? But she doesn't just live. She doesn't drive. She is too old for a license. This is a problem for some of us in our 80s. But Mother Jones actually never drove. But she has her own RV. <laughs> Vivian and John bought for her. It's a 32-foot RV. And don't get the sense that Mother Jones in heaven is only playing at some theater. It did play for several weeks at a theater here in Charlotte. But basically, Mother Jones is doing today what she did in her life. She's going wherever help is needed. So she goes from town to town. I don't know how many different towns Vivian and John have been in, but it's a lot. So the lesson is bring Mother Jones to your town, to your community, to your synagogue or mosque or church, to your atheist convention, <laughs> to your union, to your community center, to your college or university, to your children's school. She goes where she's wanted. She goes where she's invited. Issue her an invitation today. And the best place to track you down for that is that via motherjonesinheaven.com? It is. Indeed. And that link and link to artofthesong.org, to vivianespit.com, psycon.com, and hoperoadmusic.com are all on just three words, northernspiritradio.org. Come to the site and you'll track it down. And maybe you can get Mother Jones in Heaven coming to your town. We all need a bit of heaven. Thanks so much, Vivian. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, John. And thanks, Sai. And since we have a bit more broadcast time, we're going to fill in with one more song, this time performed by a longtime friend of Sai Khan's and a great performer, Joe Jenks, joining us from Illinois. Joe, it's great to see you again, this time for Spirit in Action. I've never had you on Spirit in Action before. Well, I'm delighted to be here, Mark. Always a joy to talk with you, and I am so grateful for your interest in these points of intersection with music and songwriting and community organizing, spirituality, activism. You know, this. I, I love that you are somebody who has such a holistic approach to the integration of these multitude of human activities. You just got back, I think, from a long bit of traveling uh, up into Canada and so on. 
Yeah, I was on the road from the end of December through the end of January. I was out for 34 days from Boston to the U.S. Southwest. And then I came home for six days and then I was off for two weeks in Canada. And I was touring in Saskatchewan and Alberta. But, you know, the logistics are a little different in Western Canada, even more so than the Western U.S. There are just really long distances between cities and towns and parts of Alberta and Saskatchewan. So it's a lot of driving, but people are, I think, in some ways that much more grateful when you arrive and give a great show because they don't get the diversity of potential programming that you might get in a more densely packed area. It was good fun. What do you carry? I mean, obviously, you do beautiful music. Your pipes are incredible. Your guitar is great. But what's the message? What's the thing that you're bringing? Because we have you here for Spirit in Action to talk about Mother Jones and Cy Khan's writing. What's your message as you travel? Multifaceted, but it has to do with affirming the inherent worth and dignity of all human beings. It has to do with a phrase that comes through many different sources in the 20th century, but originated with a Unitarian minister toward the beginning of the 20th century, and later a notion that King picked up about the interconnected web of existence. I really think that part of my work as a musician is activism and organizing, but part of it is ministry, and it's not a theological ministry, it's not tied to any particular faith or religion, but it's a ministry of the heart. It is inviting people into a place where they can take off the armor that they wear in their everyday lives and let their hearts open a little bit, let their hearts break a little bit, let their hearts be joyous a little bit in a way that invites them into the present moment, invites them into present time thinking, intentionality, clarity. Music is for me a meditative practice. It's how I pray. And when I'm standing on stage in a concert hall, I am honoring the muse, I'm honoring the source of creativity. And we all may have a slightly different understanding of that. But for me, I'm lending expression to that in a practice that centers me and grounds me. And I hope that through that practice that I'm also helping other people center and ground themselves. And as a result of bringing their attention into the present moment, that they have an opportunity to reevaluate something when they walk back out the concert hall doors and they go back into their life. Maybe they're more aware of homelessness. They just happen to notice somebody they would have looked past previously. Maybe they're more aware of an opportunity to bring healing or reconciliation to a relationship that needs it and now have a little more capacity. Maybe they're able to be a little more forgiving or a little less judgmental because some piece of them has been filled up. You know, it's easy to look at an artist activist like myself and say, oh, doing, you know, world changing work or whatever. And sometimes I think that's just hubris. I mean, it is my fans that do world changing work. I give them a place where they can show up, chill out, release some things they need to release, fill the well back up and then go back out and keep doing the work. I have friends who are involved in organizing in all kinds of ways. I have a lot of friends who are teachers and educators in various capacities. You know, I, I see other people doing what to me is world-changing work. I have the privilege as a musician of encouraging them and affirming them and witnessing their work through the songs that I write so that they have the strength and the energy to keep going back into the world day after day and doing this difficult and needed healing and restorative work in the world. 
a very important part of doing that work is getting the word out. That's why, in fact, I do the Northern Spirit Radio programs. It's because I want to support, I want to help people have a voice to get the healing of the world done. And one job in that is the publicity, it's the outreach, it's the person who helps channel the voice. And so that's why I have you here today. Mother Jones, again, is the main topic. I've been talking to Vivian and John and Sai. Sai Khan, you've done his music, you've been friends for quite a while, I think. Yeah, I've been friends with Sai Khan earnestly for close to 15 years, but we've known each other and been very collegial for the better part of 25 years. You've done some of his music. There's an album that you did called The Forgotten, and on that you did uh, one of the wonderful songs that Sycon included in the Mother Jones in Heaven musical. How did you end up picking out that song to include in The Forgotten? It was probably 2009, 15 years ago. Sycon sent me a set of CDRs, recordable CDs, on which he had dropped something like 76 songs Some of them were complete, some of them were incomplete, but they were songs that he had written that he felt like he was never going to get around to recording. He asked me if I would be interested in singing any of the songs. As I listened, I realized that there were too many to pick just one that I was interested in claiming, and that I really, I had to whittle it down to about 25, and then I whittled that down to about 14 or 15 that ended up on an album, and it's called The Forgotten, Recovered Treasures from the Pen of Sycon. We both had a good laugh at the title that I chose for the album, because neither one of us uses a pen anymore to do our songwriting. It's almost entirely on a computer. I can write, but sometimes I need help reading my own handwriting and have no expectation that other human beings would be able to read it. Um, my hands are very well developed to do one particular thing, which is playing an instrument. And there's something about handwriting that has always been a bit elusive to me as a left-handed guy. It just keeps getting worse as I get older. So there's a bit of humor and all that. But I picked music that felt like every one of the songs on The Forgotten are songs that I feel like I could have written if I decided I wanted to. They are songs that are narrative, storytelling songs. Some of them are just sort of impressionist pictures of a particular moment in the life of a worker or a teacher or another person. But they're all songs that to me felt like there was a certain cohesion and that they're not really the picket line songs that Cy writes or the, you know, the rah-rah protest songs that Cy writes, but they're more narrative ballads and story songs, uh, which is more in keeping with how I feel like I move people. When I lend dimension to a character within a particular context, I humanize that character, and I make that character more accessible to the listener. And when I humanize that character, that character becomes a symbol for an entire class of people. So if I can write a song about fishermen that makes people think differently about commercial fishing, they will see fishermen writ large, fishing women, the fishing community, slightly differently. They'll see them as workers when I can write about a school teacher or a bus driver or somebody working in a mine or a mill in a way that elicits compassion and humanize that person. I think it humanizes people who may be trying to organize at Starbucks or Amazon or, you know, other modern workplaces. And people would be like, well, those greedy workers, they just want more money, you know, but they come to my show and they hear me sing this very human song about somebody in the trades it lends dimension to who that person is. And I hope that from that, people extrapolate a little bit of knowledge about other people in their own community. So the songs that I chose for the album really were songs within size canon 
all of which had never been recorded, and that's why he sent them to me. And now a couple more of them have been recorded, including You Are the You in Union. But I chose that whole set of songs because I just felt like they were stories that I wanted to tell. And Sai had given me a leg up. All I had to do was arrange them and change a few words to fit a more contemporary language model. Some of these songs he'd written in the 70s and 80s, and there was some gendered language that I needed to shift a little bit to be more inclusive. So there was a little bit of tweaking, but mostly I just arranged them in a way that felt like it made them authentically songs that I would sing. And I remember a long drive that Cy and I took, and we listened to the album together in the car, which is not the best place to listen to a record, but it's, it's where I do most of my listening. And I looked over, and about eight different times, he was just sitting there with tears coming down his face, you know, sitting inside the richness of the arrangements and the narrative that I had elicited out of his songs with my performances. And it was a very powerful moment for me just to feel his sense of appreciation and pride and gratitude and affirmation of what I had accomplished artistically with his compositions. He is a great and generous and really talented person. He's got all of that wrapped together. I I love his heart so much. Me too. And just to be clear about something, you are a union man, aren't you? I am. In my younger years, I was briefly a teamster when I was driving school bus. I got out of conservatory with a degree in vocal music performance and a minor in audio engineering. And I was somewhat dismayed to find out what a degree in singing was worth in the open job market. I think I think mostly academia assumes if you get a bachelor's degree in singing, you will also get a master's degree in singing. But I did not. So I, yeah, there were many jobs that I had. I was, you know, what they used to call a stevedore. I was throwing freight in warehouses and I worked in the marine industry for a while. I did sales. I drove forklifts. I ran deliveries. I did all kinds of things while I was doing music evenings and weekends out in Seattle. And then at some point I really wanted to make the break to doing music full time. And I realized the school bus driving gig gave me a big chunk of time in the middle of the day when I could do the business of music, when I could really advance my cause in that way. So it was useful, but I only did it for about six months because I'm allergic to mornings and I suffered through mornings for six or seven, maybe it was eight months, but I was a teamster in that period of time. And then I immediately joined the American Federation of Musicians of the United States and Canada. So if I asked you to pull out your union card, you could do that? Well, I'm in the middle of a move right now. It normally is pinned to the wall in front of my computer here at the desk, but I do have an outdated union card in my pocket. The most current one was sitting up there uh, waiting to be laminated. (laughs) Well, I've got you here, Joe Jenks, because we're capping off this interview that I just had with Cy and Vivian and John. And there's one of the other songs from the musical, Mother Jones in Heaven, that they didn't include in the performance, The what we just talked about them for the past two hours of Spirit in Action. But you're going to share You Are the You in Union. I think it's ironic that there is no you in Joe Jenks, and there's not even an I in Joe Jenks. I just feel a little bit sad about that. Well, I don't know. I think I was born with a perfect stage name. It has alliteration. It's two syllables. It's concise. It's easy to remember. My parents did me a solid. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) To most people under 10, I have one name. It's Joe Janks. It isn't even Joe or Mr. Janks. It's just Joe Janks. Now, You Are the You in Union is a beautiful piece of music that Cy wrote. He jokingly said that as somebody raised Jewish and mostly agnostic at best, that he wrote an old Methodist camp song, you know, that that was the spirit of it, sort of like the old Chautauqua tent revival songs. 
and he didn't you know find the melody he was looking for so he wrote the melody in the spirit of that and then in the spirit of a lot of the labor movement songs they would take the old church songs and they would put union words to them and carry it forward so he just he sort of invented and worked the process in the same way by writing a melody that felt like an old hymn even though it wasn't and then writing the union words to it but it's more nuanced than that because the framing of the song is in essence a secular and trade unionist way of interpreting the beatitudes the sermon on the mount that jesus gives in christian scripture blessed are the poor for they shall inherit the earth blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the and it's interesting to me that either consciously or unconsciously as a composer sai had an innate understanding of the iconic and archetypal value of the Sermon on the Mount and of the Beatitudes in a way that he just, he lifted it out of the zeitgeist that he was tapping into and used it as the framework for talking about the value of organizing of trade unionism and coming around to this tagline that says, you are the you in union. I think we're just going to go straight into it. That's the perfect introduction, Joe. Again, folks, we're speaking with Joe Jenks. His website is joejenks.com. Jenks is J-E-N-C-K-S. There's a C-K in there, like a trucker when he was back part of the Teamsters. joejenks.com, link, of course, on nordenspiritradio.org. This is from Joe Jenks' album, The Forgotten, You Are the You in Union. It's wonderful music you do. I'm so glad that Sai has so many dear friends who are able to channel his music, even when he can't get around to it, that you can share it. And again, uh, as a tribute to the work of Mother Jones and the way that she brought so many people together for the good of the whole nation, and especially the poor and oppressed, the, the people you mentioned from the Beatitudes. This is a rich song, and I'm so grateful you brought it to us, even in the midst of your move. Thank you, and I appreciate the well wishes on that. There's, moving is never any fun, and for a touring musician, it may seem like, well, whatever, you're never home anyway, but the 70 or 80 days a year that I am home, I think, matter even more to me than they do to most people who live out of the same domicile most of the year, because it's just, it's when I anchor myself. But more and more as I get older, I recognize that the road is eternal and that dwellings are temporary. So I anchor myself most earnestly to the work and to the music and to the opportunities I have to share the music. That The stage is my home. I think that you have to compile these writings and release them under the name The Gospel of Joe Jenks. Uh, that would make me anxious, but I'm willing to own that I've learned a few things. But. <laughs> What's interesting is that I am actually pondering working on a book, and it's it's based on the notion that hope is a discipline. It isn't just a quixotic thing, that hope is a discipline, and we apply ourselves to that discipline in order to move things forward. And I think that's part of what I love about this song in particular, You Are the You in Union, is that it's a tacit invitation to make yourself a part of the work, to weave the thread of your own life into the broader tapestry of community. Let's do that with the voice of Joe Jenks, the words of Sai Khan, and the inspiration of Mother Jones. Here is You Are the You in Union. We're going to finish off today's Spirit in Action with Joe Jenks. We'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, Mark. Blessed are the weak. 
Blessed are the poor, blessed those who love their neighbor. Blessed are the children, blessed are the meek. Blessed are all those who labor. Lift up your eyes, lift up your voice. Come to the great reunion. Give us your hand, join in our band. You are the union. Scattered and tossed, battered and lost, all of these years divided. Each one is precious, each plays a part. When we are all united, lift up your eyes, lift up your voice, come to the great reunion. Give us your hand. Join in our band. You are the union. Poor from our birth, promise this earth. Let us unite and share it, seeking for justice here in this world. We shall one day inherit. Lift up your eyes, lift up your voice. Come to the great reunion. Give us your hand. Join in our band. You are the union. Lift up your eyes, lift up your voice. Come to the great reunion. Give us your hand, join in our band. You are the union. union. Give us your hand, join in our band. You are the union. union. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh